Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. We'll hear argument first this morning in case 17-16-18, Bostic versus Clayton County and the consolidated case. Ms. Carlin. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. When an employer fires a male employee for dating men but does not fire female employees who date men, he violates Title VII. The employer has, in the words of Section 703A, discriminated against the man because he treats that man worse than women who want to do the same thing. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey guys, welcome back to another uh, episode of Yolitics. You know, Jason, w- with everything going on right now, with the protest and the civil unrest we are seeing across the country, with the pandemic surging in our state, I did not expect the news that came out on Monday from the Supreme Court in D.C. And this one stole all the headlines, uh, at least for a, a good portion of the day, and that is that the, the nation's highest court uh, issuing a landmark civil rights ruling, civil rights on the mind of so many people right now. This one, though, in particular, protecting gay and transgender workers from workplace discrimination, uh, which you know, a lot of people have described as just this, this victory for the LGBTQ community that they did not see coming. There were a lot of people in the community who were prepared for bad news with this. Yeah, and they had been watching it as well. So let's lay out exactly what happened here. The New York Times had a good little paragraph, and I'll just read it real quick here. The case concerned Title VII of the Civil Rights Act back of 1964, and that bars employment discrimination, you've heard this, Jason, Mm -hmm. based on race, based on religion, national origin, and sex. So the question for Supreme Court justices is whether that last prohibition, discrimination on sex, whether that applies to gay and transgender workers. It was a six to three decision. And what was fascinating about this is this is a conservative majority Supreme Court. So you had two conservative members join the four liberal members. You had Neil Gorsuch, which was the first Supreme Court justice that President Trump nominated. And you had the chief justice, a conservative, John Roberts who both joined the four liberals saying, yes, if you are gay, LGBTQ, gay, transgender, uh, lesbian, you are, you know, entitled to this protection. I think that that was as big of a shock as the ruling itself uh, for a lot of people, Jason, that we saw conservative justices crossing over uh, and voting in favor of this. Uh, And and we're going to talk to somebody here in just a few minutes uh, who basically says uh, she kind of understands that, though, because at the heart of it, she sees this as a conservative ruling, which you might not think right off the bat. We'll let her explain that here in just a few minutes. Uh, First, though, I wanted to share a headline from the Texas Tribune. It says U.S. Supreme Court says civil rights law applies to LGBTQ workers granting protections long denied in Texas. This is particularly uh, important for a lot of people here in Texas 
because, you know, just the state of our politics here, it's a very conservative state. They might not have otherwise gotten these protections. Uh, and so with the Supreme Court ruling, it really does uh, offer a tremendous amount of relief to a lot of people here. I don't know if you're uh, aware of this, but there was a Gallup poll a couple of years ago, uh, and they uh, their estimate is that out of 21 million or so adult Texans, that uh, 858,000 or so uh, identify as LGBTQ uh, in, in that community. Uh, and, and again, that's just an estimate. It, the numbers could easily be higher than that, but it is a significant population here in Texas. There's a school teacher in North Texas. Uh, her name's Stacy Bailey, mm-hmm. and she made a lot of news a couple of years ago. She works for Midlothian ISD, and I'll let her explain the story here. She's on the line with us here. Your first reaction to the landmark Supreme Court decision? Oh my goodness! Um, I was sitting drinking coffee, looking out the window, having my normal morning coffee. You know, I'm a teacher on summer break, and one of my cousins texted me and it, it took me off guard and I kind of ignored it. Cause I, I just, I didn't believe it at first. And then my lawyer texted me, called me. And then I had a, 10 friends texting and people calling me. And um, I just, I felt super overwhelmed. I had to go to the bathroom and I just started crying. Um, my wife was on a call she's, she's working from home. So she was on a call. So this was all happening on my phone. And I went to her and she was on a call and I was mouthing like Supreme court, check your phone. And she was like, very confused. She couldn't hear me. So I went to the bathroom. I just, I had this overwhelming feeling of, it was strange. It was like, um, a relief feeling. Um, but it was also this, this interesting feeling like if this had happened only three years ago that maybe my entire trauma wouldn't have happened and maybe I would still be in my elementary classroom. Mm. Um, So I kind of had this weird, um, like a a sadness in my heart that it didn't come sooner, but um, sadness and relief at the same time. So once I stopped crying, I pulled my hair back. My wife literally had gotten off her call and we ran together. It was a very dramatic scene. We were jumping and crying and um, it was really dramatic for us because we've, we've honestly been fighting this exact battle since 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a very personal ruling for our house. Yeah, I was going to say that this Supreme Court decision is not based upon your case, but it could just as easily have been. It was the exact same sort of thing. Do you feel a connection? Like your case was one of so many that sort of pushed this to a critical mass to where it eventually made it to this nation's highest court. Do you feel a very personal connection to this decision that has come down? Um, 100%. Um, it's, it's so powerful to hear people in power, people who hold power, like the Supreme Court justices, um, when they say things like an employer cannot discriminate based on my sexual orientation, when someone in that level of power validates something that I've already known, and I made the decision to stand up and fight for myself and file a lawsuit, um, it, it was sort of like someone in power saying it out loud validated and supported that I did the right thing um, 
by fighting for equality. And I think people like me who continued to stand up and take steps to protect ourselves, um, I would like to believe they eventually led to this kind of a ruling. Stacy, take our listeners back to your elementary school classroom three years ago. What happened in that classroom? What happened in the months afterwards? And then most recently, there was a settlement. Yes, um, I'll try to make this short. Um, I am one of those fun, loving teachers who likes to make a connection within five minutes of the kids coming to my room. And the first day I showed them pictures of my family and my little sister and my parents and what I looked like as a baby. And I always included a picture of my, she was my future wife then, she's my wife now. Um, and it, it was just very innocent talking about my family for five seconds, moved on to, I went to a trip in Italy. And um, within a week, I was removed from my classroom. Um, I was told that I was being put under investigation because a parent had made a very explicit complaint about me that was very exaggerated. Um, I had been in my classroom for 10 years. I was teacher of the year two times during that 10 year um, period. Um, my badge, my key, my computer was removed. Everything was taken from me. So I was actually under suspension or investigation for eight months. Um, yeah, the school asked me to resign. I refused, and that's when I stood up and um, started to fight for myself. So um, they, they decided to take me from my elementary classroom with really no evidence that I did anything wrong. Um, and move me into a high school where they said I was more age appropriate. Um, to me, that was a horrifying thing to, to, to say to an elementary teacher that our existence is not age appropriate at the elementary level, that we're more age appropriate at the high school level. I thought that that was a very discriminating message to send to all teachers. So that's why I filed my lawsuit, which most recently we, um, we recovered a settlement um, which was seen as a big win for our community. And that was in February when the settlement happened then, right? Yes. Like, and you're, you're still teaching right now, right? I am still teaching um, in the same district. I stayed with Mansfield ISD. I'm still, um, I teach high school at Lake Ridge High School. Um, I decided to stay in the same district who had done this to me because that district really is my family. I've been there now for 13 years. Um, and I, and I felt like I needed to see it through and to see this justice through and not just leave a district and go to a new one and, and leave this fight for someone else. I thought this was my fight to finish. Stacy, talk a little bit about this. So the settlement, of course, included money, but it also included some provisions in there of, about changes at the district. And, and I would think that that might have been the more important part to you. Talk a little bit about the changes uh, that you affected with just your case at a local level. So as far as the settlement goes, the school district agreed to mandatory LGBTQ um, sensitivity training for all counselors and administrators, and that's mandatory. Um, I haven't seen plans for that yet, but that was supposed to be instituted for the, this coming up school year. So I'm very interested um, to see how and if they do that. They also agreed to vote on the policy change because I've been trying to get LGBTQ 
LGBTQ inclusive language in the anti-discrimination policy. Um, they were actually waiting for this Supreme Court ruling. And after this ruling that happened today, they have 60 days to take a vote on whether they're going to add the language that would protect us. Is it just as important, do you think, to fight from the bottom up like you are as it is to go from the top down like this Supreme Court case does just to affect change all the way across? Man, that's an interesting question. Obviously, um, when the top people say it, it's so much louder. Um, I think my case is not unique. I think this has happened to many, many gay educators. Most of us probably left the profession to save our dignity. Um, but it takes small, small people like me to, to keep moving forward and to keep pushing it, at least to bring awareness to people that this sort of thing is still happening. Um, I think it's a conjoined effort. Stacy, you said to save your dignity. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can imagine. Um, I don't know if you feel like you work in a job that's your passion and you, you give your heart to it and your soul. And when, when a teacher's loving students and seeing them every day and watching them grow, a huge part of our identity and our soul is wrapped up in our professions. Like educators, I am an elementary teacher. It's, it's part of our identity. Um, when that was stripped away from me, it was just taken. Um, and I knew I was under investigation for, for something I didn't really even understand. I felt my dignity and my integrity being questioned and I, and I didn't even get to respond. I didn't get to have a voice or a say in my investigation at all. Um, there were points during that eight months of my suspension where so much of my dignity had been taken from me that it was hard to imagine that I could even wake up or that I could even be a teacher anymore. Um, so I would understand gay teachers from the past. Um, it would have been easier if I just resigned and went to another district. I could have saved my dignity and my integrity and take, taken the truth inside of my heart and gone somewhere else. But I chose to stand up and speak truth to power and hold my district accountable for what they did to me. And, and because you, that way I reclaimed my dignity. And because you did that, it, it was very public what, what happened here. I'm curious, did other people in the LGBTQ community reach out to you and, and tell you their own stories? Have you heard from other people in different professions even who have felt threatened or at risk just because of who they are at, yeah. at work? Um, the LGBTQ community is a marginalized population. And unfortunately, um, in our careers, even in our families, a lot of us have to learn um, when it's safe to be ourselves and when it's not safe to be ourselves. And that could be in the workplace. That could be if my wife and I stop in a small town to get gas. That could be if we walk into one of our uncle's house who we don't, who we know doesn't support us or believe that we're actually married. Um, unfortunately, gay people have had to learn how to go in and out of the closet based on safety and based on where we are. I am very happy to know and to see that hopefully the workplace, we aren't going to have to do that in our workplace anymore. I hope that with this ruling that 
that we are free to walk into our workplace and we're, we're really just asking to have to be able to talk about our families. There's nothing sexually explicit about a family. Um, I'm sure you've mentioned a wife or kids at work without thinking twice. Um, gay people have had have been trained that if we talk about our families, it could be taken out of context and seen as somehow sexually charged. Um, That's I'm a great ready point. For that. I'm ready for that to end. That's a great point for people who haven't had this struggle. Imagine going to your job every day and you're never allowed to talk about your kids, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, any of it. You can't ever bring that up. That That would be difficult. It would be because you live your life normally, you're married, you have a family. Um, and it's been very unfair and unequal, especially in the education profession. And that's the main thing I want people to hear. I think a lot of corporate America, um, big corporations have started to embrace the LGBT community, but the education profession is so far behind. Um, in an elementary setting, if I talk about my wife, People think that I'm discussing sexual orientation, but if I was to talk about my husband, I would be seen as talking about my family. So there's a, mm. there's a double standard that exists, especially in elementary education. So I really hope that principals, administrators, gay teachers, coworkers, I hope that everyone takes note on this. Um, and that's not to say that harassment is going to stop for us. There still might be parents pushing back. There still might be coworkers who try to look at you weird or, or treat you differently. What's going to be important is now we're going to feel like we have the right to make the complaint to HR. We have the right to say, we're actually protected now in the workplace. Here's what happened to me. Make a record of it. And if records, if we start actually speaking up, because for the longest time, we didn't know if our administrators agreed or protected us. Um, we assumed that they didn't. So we mostly just stayed quiet every time something like that would happen. And now we kind of have permission to stand up for ourselves and hopefully it will stop. I can see why I got so emotional when you heard the news. Yeah. Thank this could be a big deal for a, for a lot of teachers, a lot of people, but especially, especially teachers. A lot of people have been following her case, uh, including this really uh, big activist church in Midlothian called the Galileo Church. Uh, and uh, there's a woman there by the name of Katie Hayes who has really taken up this issue and tried to keep the heat on and keep this subject in the spotlight. And uh, we've been talking to her on the phone as well. We're going to get her here on the line uh, because you're going to be able to hear it uh, in her voice. You can hear just absolute unadulterated joy uh, and, and, and passion just spilling out of her, her mouth into the microphone here. You can just hear it uh, that she's just been buoyed uh, by this decision that came yesterday that she was not quite expecting. You know what I've gotten to do all day today uh, is just field messages, texts coming in, um, Facebook Messenger, stuff all over the socials from dearly beloved friends of mine activists um, and just ordinary people wanting to live out their lives. And they're just sending these messages like, can it be real? Mm. Can this good news really be what it seems to be? And just rejoicing together in that. 
Katie, would you liken this to the celebration that occurred after the Supreme Court legalized gay marriage in the United States? Does it seem to have that kind of weight, that kind of momentum, this decision? It really does. It seems like yet another time that the judiciary branch is sort of where we've had to put a lot of our faith to uphold uh, this country's highest ideals. And once again, they have come through with that. It's lovely. Well, let me ask you about that, because the judicial branch is, the Supreme Court at least, is, you know, five to four conservative. Yeah. Did you, did you really expect this was going to come out of a conservative majority court? Can I just say that a few nights ago, I remembered that it's June and that we were expecting this decision in the month of June. And I was kind of priming myself in prayer to be ready to console people that I care for around some bad news. Uh, that's just a lack of faith on my part. Um, what seems clear to me is that this is actually a very conserving decision in a sense, because look, what are these LGBTQ people asking for? They're asking to have a job. They're asking to earn a living. They're asking to pay taxes. They're asking to provide for their families. It's really a lovely ethic. But you didn't have confidence that this was going to actually happen from the conservative court, huh? You know, I just, uh, I talk with a lot of folks who just can't quite see that logic. They're just so afraid that if we open the door uh, to LGBTQ people in the workplace, then who knows what happens. And I keep saying, well, what happens? What happens? They earn a paycheck, they go home, they take care of their family. Come on. Uh, Katie, I want to ask you this because, you know, I think a lot of times when we get to a big watershed moment like this, people who have been paying really close attention and who have been, you know, maybe writing their uh, congressperson uh, and, and really involved, they might sort of rest uh, after something like this happens. This really, though, is, is, is just a beginning point, isn't it? Oh yeah, we're always beginning again, aren't we? The quest for justice, the quest to recognize every human's dignity in this giant human family is something we're working on all the time. So at my church, for example, where we have a missional priority to do justice for LGBTQ people, we actually made the decision this month to leverage Pride Month and all the privilege that has been afforded to queer people in our society for the sake of Black Lives Matter, because we understand there's always, always more to do. And yeah, sometimes that justice work is hard and frankly boring. It feels like you're just banging your head against the same wall over and over again. But a decision like today not only changes the future going forward for LGBTQ workers and their families, it also changes our narration of the past because it gives us a sense that every single effort leading up to now has all been worth it. We, it's a vindication, you know, of all those hours spent in school board meetings or city council meetings or on the streets. Katie, it, is there, was there really a fear among most LGBTQ people that they could get fired without cause from a job? Um, that is not just fear. That is absolutely reality for people in my circles of trust and uh, belovedness. It has happened again and again. LGBTQ people are forced to hire attorneys just to stay in the job that they're all already very, very good at doing. I mean, the case that brought this to light for my church of Stacey Bailey, the teacher in Mansfield ISD, she had been named the teacher of the year district wide two years in a row when she was let go from her position, when she was sent home on suspension simply for revealing to her students that she has a fiance who's a woman. So it's, a, it's not just a fear, it's not irrational, it's not 
paranoia. It is the reality, has been up till today, the reality for LGBTQ people in every field of work. And I want to follow up about the church as well, Galileo Church, which is in Fort Worth. The number one missional priority you mentioned a moment ago is to do justice for LGBTQ humans and support people who love them. I read that off your website. Yeah. I noticed on your Twitter account also, though, you guys are all over Mansfield ISD, where uh, Stacy uh, uh, worked at the time when, when all this when all mm-hmm. this happened. Has Mansfield changed, and do, do you think that uh, other districts are going to change? Obviously, they'll have to comply with the Supreme Court decision, but would they put anything on their books in black and white as well? I don't know what's going to happen with the Mansfield School Board at this point. We've been urging them all along to get out ahead of this and be on the right side of history for once. I mean, in uh, civil rights activism in decades past, Mansfield has not always been out on the leading edge. Indeed, they have lagged far behind uh, in civil rights, um, you know, actionable uh, practice. But we, we were hoping they would get out ahead of this one. They didn't. And that's okay, because the right thing is going to happen one way or the other. This is not about winning over a particular institution for us. This is just about the human dignity of everybody in the human family. We're just counting it as a win in that way. Katie, when we talk about decisions, big decisions that come from the Supreme Court, the culture war usually lives on long mm-hmm. after the decision has been made. What, what do you say to people right now, though, who, who aren't happy today, who aren't uh, ecstatic at this, uh, by this ruling, who, who opposed this? What do you say to those people? How do, you, how do you bring everybody under the same tent to see things a certain way? Yeah, just for today, I don't have a lot of time to talk with those people. Just for today, because today is a day for celebrating. I'm just going to draw a nice boundary around today and let it be about those good things. But I understand um, that winning the hearts and minds of people is not the same as winning a Supreme Court decision. I admit to thinking naively that when same-sex marriage passed the Supreme Court in 2015, I just kind of thought that all the rest of the prejudices against queer people would fall like dominoes in the judicial system. That is not what happened. Uh, And so I have been a learner in this process as well about how long it takes and and how patiently and diligently diligently we have to keep working on these things. I I recall, um, it's not lost on me, that the decision that came down today is based on Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It is our African-American sisters and brothers, siblings in the human family who fought for worker protections and equal access and desegregation of schools and neighborhoods. It's on the backs of those protests 60 years ago now that the LGBTQ community is finding some of those same rights. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to continue to work together in mutual partnership, I hope, for the furtherance of human rights for the entire human family. I hope now that the queer family, um, buoyed now by this victory, will be completely on board, turning all of our energies toward the same kinds of protections for black and brown bodies and identities in this country. Katie, you sound fired up. Are you always this passionate? I am really so excited today. I can't even tell you. It's such a good day. And, you know, I've been saying with people in the church today, like, right this minute, we hardly know how to process good news. We have been practicing now for weeks and weeks and weeks. The first, the pandemic, and then uh, police violence against 
uh, black people, we, we, we've just been processing a lot of heartache, a lot of grief, a lot of fear, a lot of rage, honestly. So it's a big emotional swerve today to turn toward good news. As you touched on, though, a lot, a lot of people were surprised by the justices who, who decided to go in support of this, especially when you talk about like a Gorsuch here. Yeah. This, of course, doesn't mean that he's going to start supporting all LGBTQ uh, causes, of course. But how significant is this when you look at the makeup of this court and you see a decision that was made this way with conservatives going out on a limb here and going with the traditionally liberal justices? I think what it says is that what we've been asking for all along is not that radical. This is not some crazy extreme left propaganda that is meant to disrupt the system of families and society um, that our livelihood is built on. This is a reinforcement of that. I heard a rabbi say during the, the rallies leading up to the Supreme Court decision on, on gay marriage, uh, the rabbi said, you know what these people are asking to do? They're asking to get married and promise to take care of each other when they get really old. Like, how radical is that? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually, <laughs> it shouldn't be that big a deal. It's the same here. People just want to work and earn a living. They want to give their best gifts into our school systems and uh, all the systems that, that support society. They want to own grocery stores and, you know, tin bar, just whatever, do it the very best they can and not worry about their identity as an impediment in doing that good work. What's next, do you think, uh, after today's decision? Uh, we are planning a big old deferred celebration for when it's finally safe for us to regather in huge numbers and, and revel in this great decision. So it's a, it's a practice in uh, just holding with some restraint all of this good energy that we feel. So we'll be ready to celebrate when it's safe to do that again. Um, that's in the very short term. I think in the longer term now, it's up to groups like our little coalition, the Mansfield Equality Coalition, for which Galileo Church is the organizing hub, um, to really hold our local school boards, city councils, really, really hold them close to this ruling and make sure that nobody's trying to be sneaky and, and get around now what is a federal ruling saying that people can share their family, they can share their life, they can share themselves into their workplaces without fear of retribution for that. We're going to have to be really diligent around that at the, at the on the ground level locally. So what you're saying here is the work really begins here at this stage. And it's interesting how you all are coming full circle now after, you know, this was based upon uh, African-Americans in the 60s pushing right. for rights. This is That's based right. on that. And now you go back to trying to help the Black Lives Matter movement. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're just pouring our hearts into that. We've dedicated our whole worship season right now for a, a mostly white, culturally white church such as ours to be talking with each other about how racism is our problem. It is ours to dismantle as white people. And uh, even if you're queer, if you're white, you carry the privilege that comes with that in this country. So we're, we're just working on these intersections of identity all the time and trying to assess correctly where we stand, uh, you know, relative to the oppression and privilege of others. 
Katie Hayes there with the Galileo Church in Fort Worth, just ecstatic uh, about yesterday's sweeping Supreme Court decision on LGBTQ rights, specifically in the workplace there. Uh, And Jason, you know, uh, a lot of people uh, celebrating this, but of course, uh, as uh, she just said there, A, there's still a lot of work to do, and B, uh, they got to hold off on that full celebration for now because obviously, you know, with COVID-19 going on and just uh, so much uh, happening these days, uh, they just don't feel right yet about pulling everybody together and getting out there and, and uh, really celebrating this. COVID-19, police reform, there's a lot more to talk about, guys. So we'll uh, dive into some of those topics next week. No shortage of topics. Thanks, as always, for listening to us. Uh, please uh, uh, follow us and let us know what you think as well. Send us your comments. We, we like to see those. 